Welcome to Ms. Lyrics Poetry Outlaws, a podcast hosted by Catherine Owen, in which she reads poems, talks about the poetry world, and interviews poets. Poetry, it makes nothing happen, according to W.H. Auden, and oh, that's a beautiful thing. It's raining today, a soft spring rain, leaves are starting to unfurl, and I gotta tell you, I'm tired of all these restrictions, and so I'm going to read a poem from the Seshlamilosh anthology in his section called Travel, something I very much miss doing in a free sense. And he starts the introduction uh, to this section by saying that in old Arabic poetry, love, song, blood, and travel appear as four basic desires of the human heart and the only effective means against our fear of death. Thus, travel is elevated to the dignity of the elementary needs of humankind. He says a bit further on that man has always traveled, yet the great mass of humanity remains sedentary, and it's only since the beginning of the 20th century that we've seen the new phenomenon of tourism. He includes a few poems here about poets on trains because that mode of locomotion uh, fires up the imagination and always seems to contain a kind of distanciation or a bit of a, a sinister edge. So I'm going to read the piece about the train by John Haynes and then talk about it and then read it again. It's called The Train Stops at Healy Fork. Healy Fork is in Alaska and it's at an encampment beside a mine. We pressed our faces against the freezing glass, saw the red soil mixed with snow and a strand of barbed wire. A line of boxcars stood open on a siding, their doorways briefly afire in the sunset. We saw the scattered iron and timber of the campsite, the coal seam in the river bluff, the twilight green of the icefall. But the coppery tribesmen we looked for had vanished, the children of wind and shadow, gone off with their rags and hunger to the blue edge of night. Our train began to move, bearing north, sounding its hoarse whistle in the starry gloom of the canyon. So John Haynes was born, American poet born in 1924. Um, he died not so long ago. Uh, this poem was written probably around the 40s. So we get the perspective in five stanzas of five lines, four lines, five lines, six lines, and ending with four lines of a man and his crew, his companions, stopping at this mine, this campsite, and not being able to get out. It's too cold. It's freezing. It's winter. There's snow. Um, the train's, of course, always stopping and starting, and passengers are often left stranded in various inhospitable landscapes. The glass is freezing. There is the evidence of barbed wire as a symbol of the relationship between the um, First Nations people and these travelers on the train who represent colonialism. 
uh, the barbed wire is like the train tracks, is like a rifle. It's got a, a, a similar intensity of violence. The boxcars are open and their doorways are briefly afire. So we get the sense of beauty, but also potential danger. There's lots of resonances between, for instance, the last word of the last line in the first stanza, wire. And then we have a fire in the last line of the second stanza, but it's in the middle of the line. So we've got very little end rhyme, but we've got a lot of internal rhyme and, and resonance that, that rhythms back and forth and feels like a hook from one stanza to the next or an echo. So in the middle of the poem, they see that the campsite is there. There's evidence. There's the iron. There's the timber. There's the seam. There's lots of colors in this poem. There's the red soil. There's the green of the icefall. And then there's the tribesmen, he calls them, who are coppery. But they have left with all their evidence of poverty and not being full members of civilization, seen as children. They go into the blue edge of night, another beautiful color image. And the people on the train... The colonizers, whether they like it or not, are not able to connect with the native people. They just see traces and, and, and remains and, uh, detritus and can just, it's like bits of a terrible puzzle that they have to piece together, but then they can't because they're rushed. They're, they're moving on. The train has dropped off and picked up and now it's leaving again. It's going north. And it's whistle is hoarse. It's, it's cried so much. And you get the kind of sense of horse versus horse, the First Nations horses. That was the original way of traveling. Then the train, which was called the Iron Horse, took over. And its whistle is going through the canyon. And there's stars, but the stars don't illuminate. It's still overwrought by this kind of gloom and and sense that you know is this progress is this civilization is this you know disconnection is this loss the train stops at healy fork by john haynes we pressed our faces against the freezing glass saw the red soil mixed with snow and a strand of barbed wire a line of boxcars stood open on a siding, their doorways briefly afire in the sunset. We saw the scattered iron and timber of the campsite, the coal seam and the river bluff, the twilight green of the icefall. But the coppery tribesmen we looked for had vanished, the children of wind and shadow, gone off with their rags and hunger to the blue edge of night. Our train began to move, bearing north, sounding its hoarse whistle, in the starry gloom of the canyon. You've been listening to Ms. Lyric's Poetry Outlaws. Stay fierce, word musicians. <laughs> <laughs>